Welcome back to Gen Zen, a place where we discuss everything spirituality and self-development as we navigate life as Gen Zs together. In today's episode, I'm joined by Nick Reed Robbins. He is a master trainer of NLP and runs half of Reed Robbins Performance Solutions alongside his wife, Jess, who together have helped hundreds of people transform their lives through their coaching and training programs. I trained with them in lockdown and I can honestly say it changed my entire perspective on life. It was an honor to sit down with someone who has had such an impact on my own healing journey. NLP was really the turning point for me. Before training in it, I understood a lot of spiritual concepts, but I had no idea how to actually implement them into my life to live better. And NLP really gave me the tools to start transforming, which is why I'm so excited to be bringing you this episode because I genuinely think it can help so many people in living with more presence, contentment and fulfillment. In this episode, we discuss what NLP actually is, what it stands for, who it was developed by, and what it is at its core. We dive deep into the ways it helped Nick heal a 20-year sleep issue that almost ended his life, and how he went from being the victim in his life with little to no confidence or self-esteem to an award-winning coach, master trainer of NLP, business owner, and speaker. This episode is honestly so juicy and so good and I really hope you enjoy it and get a little flavor for NLP and maybe start to love it just as much as I do so let's dive in thanks Nick for coming on the podcast and and giving up this hour of your time it's a pleasure it's it's nice to to hang out with you for a bit Holly it's been a while yeah (laughs) I know we never get to hang out one-on-one it's lovely no no it's uh, busy busy lives aren't we so it's it's all go but it's it's nice to sit and have a chance to catch up and chat about whatever you want to chat about yeah awesome happy. so my first question is kind of giving yourself a little bit of an introduction and your personal journey so far and what brought you to NLP or brought you to the world of NLP right well it's it's a kind of it's a long story I have to keep sort of chunking it down a bit it's uh, I, the, essentially it was a major sleep issue that I had for, for many years I just couldn't function properly for uh, I don't know it felt like about 20 years um, doing all these weird things at night trying to uh, <clears throat> make my bedroom tidy and uh, expecting people to come in and barricading the door and all sorts of interesting weird things that were never going to make any difference but always just while you actually while you were asleep yeah while I was asleep yeah so I'm half awake half asleep sitting up on the edge of the bed I know lots of people we work with have got sleep issues, so um, it's a big thing for a lot of people. But this was a continuous thing all the way through the night, every 45 minutes, waking up, doing weird stuff, drop off to sleep again, uh, but never quite fully awake. So couldn't really figure anything out. Um, that was going on for ages, and I was a gas engineer at the time, so not sleeping all night and then going working on people's boilers and, you know, important stuff wasn't wasn't really conducive to uh, to you know, health and safety, <laughs> nothing bad ever happened. It wasn't, it wasn't great. So I needed some help. I, I went to the doctors and tried everything and, and really, um, nothing helped and that tablets would get larger and larger and more and more powerful, but nothing changed anything. Um, and I had all the sleep studies down at Oxford and, um, they couldn't find anything, even though I had a home sleep study with all the wiring loom on my head and all that good stuff. Wow. They couldn't find anything until I gave them video footage. A friend of mine said, just record yourself. And, uh, and, and if, if you say what's happening is happening, then they will be able to see it on the video. So he lent me some recording equipment and, um, that night I rigged it all up and, uh, went off to bed, not really expecting too much. And, um, in the morning, looking back at the material, it was all there. So I rushed. Like, it's just footage of me sitting upright, staring around, catching something in the sky that wasn't there, getting up, putting it out the window, and then going back to sleep again. And I thought, first of all, I thought, brilliant. I'm not going bonkers because everyone else is saying there's nothing wrong with me. And then that was good evidence. So I took that to the sleep clinic. And she said, ah, oh, brilliant. You are doing what you say you're doing, but we still don't know how to help you. Great. So, um, how long had it been going on at this point? Yeah, I think about twenty years. But it just got worse and worse and worse. It's just it was so intense that I couldn't hold down relationships. I couldn't get anything done. I was five years behind on my taxes, and I couldn't function properly. Really, um, just like a zombie. 
really. And and that's pretty much what people said to me is, we can't help you. That This is your life. And I just wasn't really willing to accept that, even though I didn't know what to do. So one day, having a pity party in 2009, really feeling really rubbish about it and being on the verge of not wanting to be on the planet anymore. I got myself on my own on Christmas Day on 2009 and I just had a, a serious word with myself and ended up hearing myself say, well, if no one else can fix it, then I've got to do it myself. And that started my journey really of self-development and reading books and, and searching and searching. And all I ever did, I was terrified of everything I had no, no self-esteem, no self-worth, no confidence. Everything was just lacking. I had that kind of false confidence. Mm. Um, and I just kept following the instinct inside me, that you know, nudge. This is good for you. It's terrifying, but it's good for you. Just keep going, keep going. I just kept pushing through the cringe and through the uncomfortableness. And then how, that... did, how did you start that? Like you say Christmas Day was like a bit of a breakthrough. Like mm. what was the first step after after that? Like was it would you say that was kind of your rock bottom yeah it, it the rock bottom was just a few days before that when i just finished another bout of psychotherapy which wasn't wasn't working for me um and it, it's brilliant it works for loads of people but it wasn't working for me with the person i was put with um so i was really bad moments and then christmas day was the day where i said well look i've got to do something if no one else can help me and then the first action if you like was going on Amazon and ordering a self-development book, which was the, oh blimey, I haven't said it for ages, but uh, I can't even think what the book's called now. <laughs> but it's it was um, it was really an eye-opener, as a, like an American self-development book, and it talked about being a front-seater and you know, stretching your comfort zones and, and listening to the inner dialogue and not listening to the inner critic and all these sort of, you know, starter-level stuff, really, which is really, really helpful, the fundamentals. Mm. Um, but nothing was really changing anything. So that was when I, I started on my search for, um, seminars and I think I need to go somewhere. I need to expose myself to something, even though it was just terrifying at every turn. I was such a little country boy. I didn't like going into cities or doing anything scary. So used to being in that comfort zone. So that was it. Read a book and, um, back of one of the books I read it said come to my free seminar which turned out to be nearly 500 quid that I didn't have um and I managed to cobble some money together and I went to the seminar and it was like three days of self-development which was brilliant in a big old room in London in a hotel and um it's like 3,000 people whatever it was and it was just breaking it down into 15 minute segments because it was so uncomfortable to be around other people I was cringy enough just being me let alone exposing that or being me around other people so I was really starting from rock bottom like absolutely just every five minutes wishing a, a hole would open up and swallow me wow. <laughs> wherever I went <laughs> uh, so that was it really and um <clears throat> so uh, there's all these interesting moments I, I, people always ask me about yeah how did you get to those moments and I'm like through pushing through the terror I just knew that there was something there's this voice kept saying to me, like, just do it. It's good for you. Keep, keep going forwards and turning around like 20 or 30 times on the way to the seminar because I just couldn't handle it. It was just too scary. And then, like I say, breaking the three day seminar into 15 minute segments. And it was excruciating. Um, just ch chunking it right down into small pieces so I could manage it. And then randomly bumped into a, the guy who sold me the ticket. He had to keep talking me back into coming to the seminar in the first place. And um, he gave me a number of a lady he shouldn't have given me a number of. And that ha happened to be Jess, who uh, introduced me to NLP properly. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and so did she did she coach you? Yeah. <clears throat> well, bearing in mind, everyone else said to me, there's nothing we can do to help you. I was expecting her to say the same thing. And when I spoke to her, she was so friendly and warm and just made everything seem like fairly easy and straightforward. And then... She said, well, let's have a session and I'm sure I can help you. I'm sure I can help you. She, she sounded like pretty sure about it. So I thought, okay, I'm not sure about it, but I'll give it a go. You know, you never know unless you try. And um, within three 90 minute sessions of NLP, the sleep issue had gone completely. Completely gone. Just, yeah. Never came back, wow. which, which blew my mind. And I was still waiting for it to come back. I think even like six months after that, 
but it didn't. So, um, so we became friends. Um, she coached me some more on some other stuff because my relationship with my mum, she was, bless her, she was alcoholic. She really struggled with life. Uh, used to be in the, in the Navy and being at sea on the cruise ships. And my dad was still at sea on the cruise ships. Um, so he was away, essentially an absent father, really. And mum was at home, left to look after me and my brother and, and my mum's mum as well. So the environment was uh, a challenge because I kept trying to make it better and that created lots of conflict. Mm. So, um, so did had you to dig, dig through it? Did you kind of trace without going into sort of the details of it, but did you trace the sleep issue back to issues in childhood? Yeah. Is that where the root came from? Yeah, 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 definitely. Some of them went back to like arguments with my mum, like really intense ones. Um, another one was quite innocuous that one night my dad had come home from sea. He'd been a, a, on a world cruise somewhere and he came back and he'd flown in from LA or somewhere and he had to, uh, you know, had jet lag and all that lovely stuff. And, and I used to rock myself to sleep on the edge of the bed and he used to creak. So as I was doing that, he was trying to get to sleep and he came in one night, just give me a little clip round the ear. I said, oh, shut up. I'm trying to sleep. I'm exhausted. And because I was asleep in my little safe place, it jolted me and it's wedged in there in my unconscious mind i'm not safe in my safe place so although nothing really bad happened it from an unconscious perspective it was a shock and that stayed there for good until i changed yeah. with jess and so there's yeah. a few other examples like that seemingly fairly innocuous but a few of them were you know pretty traumatic moments but yeah we dealt with them and the way jess helped me with nlp is just fairly straightforward let's look at it from a different perspective through a certain process and really easy and it didn't come back <laughs> I thought this is good wow and that was that was the only introduction you needed and then it's just you've been on the NLP journey for the rest of your life really haven't you yeah that's it yeah so that was um <clears throat> 2009 and we had the coaching and then um I thought I was sorted after I'd done my sleep challenges but now underneath that was all the low self-worth low confidence and all that other stuff it was just like an empty bucket really so having to figure all that through uh, eventually uh, Jess offered me a session in on the trade for some plumbing work I did for her and I did my first NLP course in 2011 in November and then struggled all the way through because I had all these limiting beliefs about my brain doesn't work and I can't think properly I can't retain information I'm useless nobody likes me and all this stuff whizzing around my head um, I managed to get through the course somehow and I just kept going back time after time after time after time, every, you think it was every eight weeks and just absorbing it. Cause I thought this is, this is good for me. This is what I need. This stuff works. Let's, let's absorb it and see what I can come out of it with. I was just hoping for some confidence and to be able to learn how to communicate. So that was it. Yeah. And yeah. and look at you now running trainings. Yeah. What, what do you think your, that like 2009 self would, would have said if you, could say that go back and say what you've done now God, i wouldn't have i wouldn't have believed a word of it uh, at all the fact that i'm up there now speaking to people in training training people as well and thinking for a living there was no chance because i had that fog for so many years where i just couldn't think i, I literally believed my brain was broken um wow. <clears throat> so yeah if i'd if that 2009 self of if i was having a chat with them they would say are you the same person, you know, <laughs> because I'm literally rewired myself into something different where actually I quite like myself now and I, I'm all right. I've got some confidence and I feel like I'm a decent person and I can do some good. And all of that horrible experience I had now is really, really useful for me to, to help other people who've been through situations. And so, yeah, I still surprise myself every day, really, because of where I came from. So yeah. I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm sure that people are now going to be like, what is this mysterious NLP? Because it, <laughs> I feel like still not mm. not many people know about it. I speak, mm. you know, it will be only sort of one in 10 people that I speak to that go, oh, yeah, no, I know NLP. So for those who have never heard of it, this is their first time mm. ever hearing about NLP. Right. What does what does it stand for? Let's maybe start there. And could you explain a bit about uh yeah, what it stands for. Yeah, so it's it's called neuro linguistic programming. That's NLP stands for, <clears throat> and it's it's a form of understanding. It's like a 
uh, it's always difficult to explain it. Every time I explain it differently, everyone does in NLP, I think. Um, it's a way of understanding how we communicate unconsciously as human beings. So how we, how we function at the unconscious level and how that uh, unconscious map of the world, we call it, is our, all of our programming that's ever happened since we were born or even just before then in the womb, um, how that is constructed and how we operate from that map. So we learn all sorts of interesting things from zero to seven and moving on from there. We're always responding to that programming. And hopefully for most people, that's carved you uh, a really great life where you're resourceful, you're happy, you've got confidence and you know what you want to do and everything's good. But unfortunately, it seems a lot of people haven't had that experience and there's moments of stress or trauma or challenge. And that causes that map of the world to run a little wonky. So we, we can't quite get to happiness or we can't, can't quite get to confidence or uh, resourcefulness, really. So so the neuro piece is, is the, the mind, how that functions, um, and, the, and the nervous system. The... Linguistic. Uh, linguistic. <laughs> I nearly got that wrong. Uh, the linguistic element is, is the language we use, our body language, the external language we use, the words we use. And the internal dialogue that we use, which a lot of people are not too kind about uh, when they speak to themselves. And and the pictures we make as well. So the, the language of the mind is the visualization. So it's the pictures there. Um, the way we utilize the la that language to express really our map of the world, which is kind of pre-programmed into us through our experience. Um, so... It's the way the brain processes that information, how we pick that up through our nervous system as we experience life. <laughs> that comes out through our language and how we communicate. And then that's living off that map, really, and just reading off that map every day. And most people say that's around about 90, 95% unconscious. So if we're not getting the results you want, then we need to get into that map, the unconscious programming bit, and change what we need to change. Not all of it, just the elements that, we require to be the kind of people we want to be. Some people, that's all of it, like me. Um, and then we can just live our lives in accordance with who we feel that we need to be and be our full selves, really, which I think is one of the hardest things to be, just to truly yeah. be yourself. Yeah. And and I think it's interesting what, what you said about, you know, ideally we have this, this perfect childhood and we make all these wonderful beliefs about ourselves and they're really empowering and resourceful, but it also doesn't, if we don't have, if we have limiting beliefs and we're not always resourceful, it doesn't always mean that we've got trauma. I think yeah. sometimes people think that, you know, with therapy or psychotherapy or NLP, any kind of work on yourself, in order to do that, you must have had a really messed up childhood and have big trauma. But actually, trauma can be can be anything. That's what that's what I definitely learned from you guys. First of all, is like, you know, it can be a child taking your toy at preschool and then you know you make a belief about yourself around that that you then carry with you for the rest of your life and you have no idea that it's actually traced all the way back to that mm. one moment yeah and and like i said before a lot of it's is fairly innocuous because it, it it's big to a child when it's happening to you from i don't know at school say you're six or seven years old maybe and something happens it feels big as a child one of my ones was um i was in the wendy house at preschool uh, primary school, about five years old, and it was my turn for the pink cape, a bit of curtain with a bit of elastic around it, and um, another kid took it off me just as my turn, and I looked at the teacher and said, that's not fair, and she said, just let him have it, and it was a really big moment for me as a kid, because I'd waited, I'd been patient, and it was taken away from me, so that mm. created a huge amount of frustration, and when we went back to find out where the frustration came from, I thought, surely it's not from that, I mean, that's just school <laughs> but it was it lodged, lodged itself in there and yes it doesn't have to be traumatic at all it can be mean a mean comment it could be being left somewhere for, for, for like half a minute and getting freaking out because you don't know where parents are gone it, it could be just internal doubt that's stuck it could be all sorts of stuff but yeah not a lot of the time it's not trauma or anything massive it's usually stuff that just was as a struggle as a kid and there was no one there at the time to give you that balance of thought that would really help you to let it go immediately and and why do you think it is that those seemingly innocuous 
things when we're young and and it's it's really zero to seven that's the kind of time period that we're talking about why is it that at that time we carry things with us throughout the rest of our lives and make all these beliefs about ourselves why isn't it when we're like you know adults what what's the difference yeah so when when we're adults we tend to be more resourceful and we've got more of a sense of ourselves and other people but but between zero and seven we have that egocentric nature in ourselves where the whole world revolves around us and it's almost like a fatal flaw in psychology it feels like is that we assume that all the adults around us are doing the right thing saying the right thing and know the right thing to do all the time and that's not accurate because parents are going through all sorts of stuff they're busy they're tired they're stressed they're uh, dealing with a lot of stuff and sometimes they're not resourceful enough and when something goes wrong the egocentric nature of a child will make it their fault they will take it on themselves and blame themselves for it and mm-hmm. um, so then we internalize that whereas if you've got resourceful parents which is one thing i'm really proud of now is myself and jess we've worked on all of our stuff because she was just as messed up as i was when our boy rocky is is struggling with something we know to stay resourceful and we know to help him through any thoughts in the moment so they don't get stuck like they did with a lot of people so that's what we're really proud of that we try our very best to make sure that we help him through those moments we're going to get it wrong sometimes because (laughs) <laughs> he's having 60,000 thoughts a day like the rest of us. So, but um, that's the main difference really is children are egocentric from zero to seven. We assume that there's something we've done and therefore we blame ourselves and internalize it. Whereas if you were 18 years old and you had that first real big moment of, I don't know, anger or frustration or something happened was a challenging moment you're more likely to be rationally able to resolve it somewhat or speak to someone about it mm. it's a child essentially like i remember you you saying or someone said to me imagine that at zero to seven you're basically just a sponge like mm. you have no sort of filters for oh that might not be no rationalization it's just everything is just coming in all the time and yeah. so everything is your fault you know the adults know everything and you know nothing and I I think it's also potentially because at seven, I heard that like biologically we're meant to be able at seven years old to be completely separate from our parents if we needed to. So we basically take on all the beliefs and models of our parents so that if they weren't around after we were seven, we would be able to survive, which I think is really interesting too. Right. At least we can get by. We've got some blueprints in there in the unconscious map. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. But sometimes they don't end up being very resourceful. No, that's blueprints. it. And the other thing is, is um, we need to be free to express ourselves, all of us. Um, and there's times where we're we're not really able to do that because of the experience with our parents, because there was lack of resourcefulness or whatever it might be. And then their map of the world from their childhood kicks in and whatever wasn't all right for them isn't all right in the moment for the next, for this child in front of them. So that, unconscious kind of programming comes down the line a little bit and relives itself if we're not careful so that's Mm -hmm. where it can be a real child i feel that's myself with rocky when he's being angry and we want him to be angry because we need him to be strong and empowered but if there's anything coming down that's i can feel it sometimes when he's just fully being himself being a human being is pushing my buttons because i wasn't allowed to get away with that as a kid (laughs) <laughs> so that's really tricky sometimes but he's just doing his thing and my job is to help him nurture him and then work on my stuff as I go so that I don't bring any of that down the line to him yeah and and I feel like in the spiritual like community and world that's kind of called like ancestral trauma like and yeah. uh, and this is kind of explaining it in more of a real way like that these unconscious programs literally get passed down if if they haven't been healed and resolved and NLP is a really great way of becoming aware of those patterns that we all have yeah. and resolving them. So you don't keep passing them down. Right. Well, that's um, it. What, what NLP does, which, which kind of ties it into all these different other areas of spirituality and all sorts of different places is, is the nuts and bolts of how we function as human beings. So it explains how these things do come down the line and how they get in there and then how we can also get them out with the, the tools that have come out of NLP through this sort of when Richard, the, the founder of NLP, Richard Bandler, um, who first initially began it, he, he was just 
so inquisitive and curious about why we do what we do and how are, how are some people really damaged and how are some people not and how is the difference in the programming affecting people and what can we do to change that if someone's really struggling so through his curiosity and his interesting nature he's a very interesting man he just started to kind of pull apart really how we do all this stuff but mostly unconsciously so how do we do those functions when you make a picture in your head well how do we do it how do we store it where is it what color is it you know all these interesting details so his ability to ask all these interesting questions allowed allowed him to piece together how we function and how we run unconsciously as human beings and once you understand that then you can recognize yeah i'm doing that i've got this particular challenge that keeps coming up in my life that's probably come from somewhere very young because it's quite a big feeling let's go back and get it out kind of the same way as it came in yeah. <laughs> so it's kind yeah. of really simplified it but yeah but there's loads of different ways of labeling it and calling it and it gives us a structure then if you as as for me as i became a bit more spiritual i'm still on that journey it gives me a framework to work with to make sense of it but without mm. nlp and just spirituality i probably would have been a bit lost for yeah. me just because that's just the way my brain works I and actually I completely agree and that's why NLP when I came discovered it in 2020 it completely blew my mind it felt like the missing jigsaw puzzle piece because I've been really interested in spirituality and, and read loads of books and they speak about the voice in your head your internal dialogue and, and the pictures you make and and all of that stuff but I was like but how do I change it you know it says you know be aware of the thoughts they're not you your emotions are not you and and that's all well and good but actually I'm still having these negative thoughts I can understand that they're not me but it doesn't stop me having them and mm. how can I actually resolve it and to me that was what NLP was like the practical way to actually uh yeah infuse uh, bring spirituality and practicality together <laughs> to yeah, actually change. yeah that's a nice way of putting it yeah yeah so could you speak a tiny bit just about because you touched on um richard bandler mm. on when nlp was developed and who it was developed by right so <clears throat> around about uh, early 70s early 1970s um richard bandler was um studying mathematics he was interested in psychology in uh, in america um, he was at the University of Santa Cruz, uh, and <clears throat> like I said, he was curious about how he was. Stay I think he was staying. He was lodging with a guy who was a psychotherapist. I think a psychotherapist. Uh, there's loads of different stories out there of exactly how it works, but um, but he was inquisitive. He was reading all this guy's books um, on his bookshelf, and and he. But, he said, he said to the man, he said, I can't find anything in here that tells me how to heal someone. There's lots of stuff on how to medicate, which is great, but how do you heal them? And the man said, well, we don't really have any of that. But he said, there are some people who are really, really wonderful at what they do. So he went about exploring these people. And he, and he just so happens that around about that time, Virginia Satir was in town. He was an incredible therapist who could just transform really anybody. She would never give up on them. She had loads of wonderful attitudes. So we just started exploring. How does she do that? What does she think? What does she say to herself? What her what are her attitudes about the clients that she works with? How does she get such great results? And so we got in there with her. He became friends, and he literally pulled it out of her, even the stuff she didn't realize she was doing. Um, and he started to recreate that with volunteers back at the college at like lunchtime sessions, and he started to get the same kind of results that she was getting. And she's been at it 30 or 40 years and he's getting the similar results because he's pulling out from her the the elements that get the change and get the fast change and the, and the permanent change. So once he started with her, then he started working with John Grinder, who was a co-creator of NLP, who was a linguist at the same university. And he was curious about what this Dr. Richard Bandler guy was doing um, and how he was doing it and specifically what he was saying, what language he was using. How was he getting the change with the language? Um, once they came together, they were allowed. They were able to extrapolate more and understand more about what was how people were getting this change work. And once they found her, then they found Milton Erickson, the grandfather of hypnosis, and Fritz Perls, 
um, who was involved in gestalt therapy and all these different people from the therapy to start with. And then it went into sports. It went to teaching, sales, all these different other contexts and areas of life where people got really great results. And they're like, right, how are you doing that? Let me pull that out of you. Because if we can format that somehow, we can teach other people how to do that. Because the assumption was if one person can do it, we're all functioning pretty much the same underneath, there thereabouts. Um, if one person can do it, then everyone else can do it. Mm-hmm. If we use the same strategies and the same beliefs and the same ways of doing things. So that's kind of how it set about. And um, that was in 75, it, it, 1975, it became neuro-linguistic programming. Before then, it was called Meta. <laughs> and then... Um, they just put it out there into the world and that allowed people like me to just learn in seven days and you yeah. uh, to start with a really powerful set of tools and attitudes and techniques in just in seven days because all that wonderful information, the way of doing it came from the sort of condensed version of, of how people get great results. So it's like a beautiful sharing of success run down the line and then just we take it we run with it we put our own style on it and our own flavor and you can add it then once you've got your nlp you can add it to any context you like in in your life and any kind of area in the world so it's so fantastic but most of all to get you happy and confident and so richard yeah. bandler one of his attitudes still is let's just be happy for no apparent reason and i love that I love that. And he'll go about any way he can to get that kind of change in someone. That's and that's awesome. all I've ever done since. I like that. <laughs> um, so in, in that sense, is it, would you kind of explain it as a type of therapy? Because I think sometimes people get confused mm. as to whether NLP is the same as therapy or can it just, do you think it's a set of tools and techniques that can be used in a therapy setting, but can also be used in lots of different settings? Yeah, it can absolutely be used in therapy. There is something called neuro-linguistic psychotherapy which is the more down the therapy route it's it's psychotherapy but with extra tools um but it really is a coaching methodology and a set of attitudes that allow you to once you understand like i said that the nuts and bolts of being a human being then you can apply that anyway like so it could be athletes performing arts arts it could be really anyway like so it's um it's it's a way of coaching yourself and coaching other people it's therapeutic although it's coaching but you could yeah you could use it purely for therapeutic change in people if you wanted to go down that route for most people they just need a tweak to get happy or a few get over a few challenges so it's we coach we use nlp to coach people through the challenges and deal with the specifics rather than delving around a whole of someone's uh, problems and challenges. We don't always need to do that. A lot of that stuff's good and that makes us who we are. So coaching people through the specifics, deal with the presenting problem, get off and get happy. If you need some more, come back, you know, (laughs) don't rely on us. We want you to rely on you. So we often teach people how to, um, how to learn how to function themselves and understand how other people function we get that deeper level of awareness, then life is much easier all of a sudden. And then with the tools on top, we can change anything we want to change. So yeah, it's coaching. Yeah. And I remember it was either you or Jess said a really good analogy. And I wonder if you could explain it now um, about the river. I don't know <laughs> if you remember about, because I think it was a really good example of, of how NLP is different to therapy, but is I don't know, kind of similar in some aspects. Yeah. Well, this is an an analogy that resonated with me because of my psychotherapy experience. Although I just want to make it clear that there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with psychotherapy. It's just the way we get paired with a particular person, how we work with them. That's all. Mm. Um, So the analogy was, imagine the river of life. and Downstream is the future. Upstream is the past. You go to a therapy session with, say, a psychotherapist, for, for example, there's a keenness to kind of jump into the river and go upstream and start looking at Wellington boots and pulling all this stuff out. So if we just go back a bit, imagine the person comes in and says they've got 
a theme running through their life of, um, uh, let's say, jealousy, for example. That jealousy would be a streak of paint going down the river of life, if you like. Let's use that analogy. So there's a paint pot in there somewhere. That we go, the therapist will jump in. They'll go upstream, follow where the paint's coming from, and they're on the way. They might pick up a Wellington boot and let's talk about this, shall we? And they're like, well, I don't think it's relevant, but okay. So you start, same as my experience, you start pouring all this stuff out about the Wellington boots or whatever that represents in your past. And then they go, oh, there's a tire over here. Let's let's do that. And, and all the time they're kicking up all the silt in, in the river of life and it's all getting a bit murky and muddy and all these emotions are coming up. Uh, and then they haven't got to the paint pot yet, which is what we're really after. And then there's another uh, old you know, bucket or something in there, they're exploring that. And all of a sudden, all this stuff is in your face, if you like. Stressful, challenging, and we haven't got to the paint pot yet, which is why we came therapy in the first place. Um, we might get round to that eventually, but <laughs> you you end up, when, the, when that session's over, with all this welling boots and stuff all kicking around all over the place that's not fully resolved. We haven't got to the root cause just yet. Because it's a, their intention is to delve around and understand it all and get to it, which is great. For a lot of people, we just need to deal with the presenting problem. So, from an NLP perspective, and again, nothing, nothing against psychotherapy. It's just one way of doing it. NLP perspective, we stay on the riverbank. We don't want to get in the river. We don't want to kick all the silt up. We don't want to. We just want to find out where's that paint coming from. Because if we cast our fishing rod into the river, pull up the paint pot bring it onto the riverbank quickly and explore it, clean it all up, tidy it up nicely, put the lid back on properly, cast it back into the river in exactly the same place and then check, is there any paint flowing downhill anymore, downstream anymore is it, or is it all gone? And once we know it's all gone, we've done a good job. We haven't kicked any silt around. We haven't touched anything else that needs to be played around with. We've dealt with the presenting problem and then if someone wants to do anything more than that, then we can absolutely do it. But we're, I always used to say we're like brain ninjas. We can really get out without really, without you really noticing too much. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that analogy. Thank you for, thank you for explaining that. You explain it so much better than when I try and do it. Um, <laughs> and also I think, I think with coaching as well, you know, if we, let's stick on the theme of like jealousy it really in a coaching session what you do is like it's forward facing okay how do you how do you want to feel in the future let's create a really amazing outcome and then what's holding you back from that and then that's how we uncover like the limiting beliefs and and unresourceful emotions and then you know stay on the riverbank but go to the river and, and figure out how we heal that at the root cause which that's right really cool and then see what else is left after that if there's anything appropriate yeah mm. Yeah. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the NLP presuppositions, because they mm. kind of form what well, and how they form the basis of of NLP and everything that comes afterwards, because I think mm. some of them are really amazing and like even mind blowing in themselves. Yeah. Well, that, what um, Richard, where they came from is that Richard Bandler realized that the, the things that so someone like Virginia Satir, the family therapist, some of the things she was doing only worked as effectively as it did because of her attitudes about the person that she's working with or about what she was doing. So they, they had to add these in to the NLP material because it's so important that we have good attitudes about ourselves and other people as well and to allow people to have their problems without feeling judged, anything like that. So they came out with these presuppositions and it's slightly different for every NLP school, but the majority of it is the same. And... If you apply them, if you are to apply them fully, you would you getting towards enlightenment in that you, you can observe things from this beautiful standpoint without getting too caught up in anything. Um, so when I learned them, I thought, blimey, this is, makes so much sense. And it's why don't they teach us at school, which is what most people say when they go through NLP courses. <laughs> um, so the so they're lovely attitudes that if we apply them to ourselves and other people will make life easier. And it's also really useful in coaching sessions to help people beyond their problems and see beyond the, the challenges and think differently about things. So mm. probably one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I was just is... going to ask you that. What are a couple of your favorite ones? Yeah, 
people are not their behaviors is one of my most favorite because it it challenges people because you know if you've got if you've got someone in your life who is a challenging person a problem person whatever label you've given them um and we've all got someone in our lives right doesn't matter how old we are we've always got someone um having that thought that they're not their behaviors allows us to look beyond the behavior and try and observe the person behind it and that person behind it well, there's another saying which isn't really an lp but it's um, bad behavior comes from pain so or hurt people hurt people mm-hmm. so th- this lovely presupposition is that people are not their behaviors it allows us to look beyond the behavior try and understand where that might be coming from in the first place probably some hurt or some challenges and that starts to help us understand why someone might be behaving the way they're behaving if it isn't just good and kind and wholesome if you like mm. so for me that's brilliant because if i'm getting frustrated about someone doing something bad on the news or not that i watch the news but wherever it might be it's like okay well, i can i don't need to take that personally i can understand where that's coming from because if you look beyond the behavior and accept the person which is kind of another part of that presupposition it it separates it out enough to get to empathy which is always the word that sort of rings a bell in my head because there's sorely lacking in the world at the moment is a bit of empathy and if we can get there even with our friends and family it allows us to get to a place of understanding and that Mm. can really help us um get to a place of of resolution or love kindness yeah which is a bit difficult at the minute for a lot of people yeah it is and and i think the the presupposition presuppositions in general what they do for me is like the kind of guiding principles that allow you to to get deeper into you know we say or live with you know we should live with love and compassion and kindness and empathy but they're all quite big words like and and it's very difficult in the moment when you know when you're watching the news and you get triggered to remember oh I should be empathetic but if you understand people are not their behaviors it it's so much more powerful I think to to think about that than just go oh i should i should be empathetic mm. i think it's more accessible i don't know i don't know why yeah well it's, yeah. we want to get to curiosity if we can get to curiosity we 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 separate ourselves out enough from it to to think about it in, without being insulted by something yeah and, and that's a big part of nlp is let's how come this person is having these experiences how come this person thinks like that how come this person feels it's all right to say that there's a really good reason for it in their map of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the other presupposition is have respect for other people's map of the world. Um, that's a, that's one thing that so many people struggle with is that because we, we project our values and our experience and our rights and wrongs onto other people and then judge them for it. And how on earth could they possibly be living our values and our expectations? They just can't because they're not us. And they've had such a different version of life than we have up to this point. We might be meeting in the same space and time with a very, very different map of the world. So we're going to not be able to see eye to eye with a lot of people. Mm. We can get to a place of understanding and curiosity. Like, well, that's interesting that you feel like that. I wonder where that came from. And that gives us that separation. And if that yeah. comes into coaching, then we can help people see things differently if we need to. Or if it's just general life, we can just, okay, that's cool. I wouldn't say that or I wouldn't believe that or... I wouldn't do that, but I understand that you do and you think it's all right in your map of the world and that's cool. Yeah. And that's a really good place to get to. Yeah, completely. And, and understanding that if if we ourselves had lived exactly as they had done and had every experience that they had had, we would be them. We would make the right. decisions that they made. So, yeah, you have to have respect for And it doesn't mean that you just completely accept it all, but you you have an understanding that they're behaving like that for a reason. And I think one of my favorite presuppositions is everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have available to them. I think about that like on a daily basis. (laughs) Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was chatting to someone yesterday about their brother had an issue with some sleep and and all the family are like, sort yourself out. What's wrong with you? You know, what are you doing that for? Sort yourself out. And, And I explained to him this, presupposition that people are doing the best they can with the resources have available and you might be projecting onto them that they've got the resources 
but they may feel inside of themselves they can't get there, they can't access that, and they can't do what they feel other people want them to do, so they're stuck. So he said that really helped me to to separate myself off from that and recognize actually, yeah, maybe maybe they can't get to what, what they need to get to to get them happy. They're unresourceful. So mm-hmm. it really helped him uh, in that moment, and it's really helped me over the years. Um, hopefully, and see has helped you as well because you like that one too, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so my next question is just if because this podcast is all about helping you know Gen Zs kind of find yeah. more peace and find more purpose in in their future and in mm. their present as well. How do you think NLP could help someone who is sort of my age, like early 20s, who is stressed and anxious about what the future holds and just doesn't really, is a bit lost, doesn't really know where they're going? Like, do you mm. have any any advice of how NLP could help them with that? Um, yeah, crikey, you could go in all sorts of different directions with that question. I remember when I was that age, I just luckily... Um, slipped into a, my plumbing career of 20 years because my best mate's dad was a plumber and I did work experience. So it just made it easy for me. But um, how can you deal with anxiety and the worries and uncertainty of life? Well, most people don't know really know what they want. Right? Lots of people I know are far older than me still don't know what they want. So for me, it, you need to have some outcomes. One of the One of the best things about NLP that it gives us is an outcome focus. Be in the present moment and live that as best you can and really relish every moment of life that you can. But also we need some outcomes because what that does, it gives you a compelling future. And that's really important for our mental health. So um, it might not be like a 10 year plan or a 20 year plan, which who needs that? We want to be in the moment, but we want to have somewhere that we're moving to. If you can find the things, this is what I wish I'd been able to tell my younger self is what makes you joyful? Right. If that word resonates with you or not, I don't know what what makes life spicy, what makes it interesting. I think for interest is a really important key to to moving forwards and having compelling outcomes. Um, first of all, NLP will give you the tools to deal with the the anxiety for yourself. It'll give you all the skills and the tools for that, no problem. The other thing is knowing where where you want to be moving, what steps you want to be taking forwards. So, <clears throat> I know gives you interest what are you passionate about what would help you to grow moving forwards that you, you get natural energy to do like I've always been a fixer I went into plumbing and heating and I could fix boilers and I could fix things that were going wrong and all I do now is help fix people's maps of the world so what what is there in you there's like a uh, you could say a natural ability or a learned ability that's a special key sort of skill or strategy that you have that could be really useful moving forwards and and just start edging yourself forwards in whatever direction you feel would be fun or interesting or joyful and don't worry about where that's going to end up just keep moving forwards keep enjoying it if you have to go a different direction or take some steps backwards or sideways so be it as long as you're enjoying it as best you can along the way and do what you feel is best for you listen to other people's positive intentions but do what needs to be done for you because i hear so many people kind of trying to have to please their parents or they get rammed in a certain direction that they don't they're not passionate about they're not interested in but their parents want them to move in Mm. or someone said they should move into um but if it doesn't make sense for you then get some support figure it through or figure out (laughs) one of the things i love to do and we do that in our courses and i'm sure you do it as well holly is get a plain piece of paper and at the top of it, write down, wouldn't it be cool if dot, 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 or wouldn't it be awesome, whatever word you want to use. And then just write down a list of things that kind of make you giggle and go, oh, that'd be amazing if I could do that. Right. Mm. <laughs> I've got all sorts of crazy dreams for myself that are just like, I don't know, it sounds awesome. Let's just go for it. And they give you goosebumps and it just makes you, it just think if I had that experience, wouldn't that just be fantastic? I'd get to learn and grow and meet people or travel or, um, just have some amazing experiences and I've had some of these now because of this process and I look back and I pinch myself because I blimey I just imagine what would be fantastic in my life to experience and I just kind of made it happen by removing my limiting beliefs or in the way of it mm. but but for the for the younger me it would have been yeah what what really interests you 
because that's mm. the that's the juicy stuff yeah i like what you said about the wouldn't it be cool if it removes the like attachment or the like seriousness from setting yeah. goals in life it's like let's just create because we're human beings on this planet and that's what we're here to do is to is to create things we're creative beings and that's what kind of separates us from all other beings on the planet yeah. um animals and stuff is is that we have this amazing ability to create things in our reality so let's have fun with that and play with that and wouldn't it be cool if we do all these things right without this sense of of like oh i need to set goals i don't know where i'm going and and also understanding that nlp can it's so great because you can set amazing outcomes and then if if you listen out when you're making that list for all the things all those limiting beliefs that go yeah but i'm i'm never going to do that because i'm not smart enough to do that or i'm not i'm not as good as other people at doing that write those down and then <laughs> nlp can help you overcome those right well that's the other thing once you've got a clear outcome or some ideas of where you want to go then the internal dialogue is going to kick in right and that's that's where your limiting beliefs are so we're kind of forcing them out of the unconscious consciously having them written down in front of us and then we can challenge each one so i once i've done a list of things wouldn't it be cool if then i'll write down a, a, at the top of a page the reasons and excuses for not having these things are and then just brain dump whatever comes up and then start working through those we've got some really simple ways of doing those in nlp of removing those limiting beliefs mm. it just and, cracking. Um, and yeah. the other thing just before i forget uh is just sort your money out quick because that's such a stress for so many people. Um, get used to saving, put some decent money somewhere a bit quick and just let it do its job, right? Get learn, learn to invest a little bit, get some advice from someone, do it now, do it quick and just don't think about it. So because that, that's so many issues for so many people comes up in finances. If you can at the earliest stage, you can get some advice, pop it away, invest, save it, channel it somewhere else before you get a chance to spend it. That's half the stress because most people in coaching I've got some money issues along the way somewhere. So make it a no-brainer. Learn a bit about that. Get that sorted. Yeah. I feel like so many people my age, that is the biggest prevention for them, you yeah. know, living the life that they want to live is, is financial issues and like a lack mindset when it comes to money. And yeah. in what, like, uh, I wonder if you could speak about how NLP kind of helps with that, helps with money mindset. Yeah, well, uh, again, having an outcome most people haven't got any kind of financial outcomes they don't really know what they're moving towards they they just hope that it will kind of figure itself out at some point so having an outcome around money and then for a lot of people if, if you do follow your joy and follow your bliss and all these lovely words that people say then you will naturally move in the direction that will give you that it will just kind of fall in your lap if you're brave enough to do the stuff you really enjoy it will come somewhere so have a clear outcome and then you know, ask yourself what maybe is in the way of you having the kind of money that you want to experience. And, and most people think they want, you know, a yacht or tons and tons of money. And you don't, you don't need as much as you think. That's the other thing that's really important to remember, to have a really great life and have freedom of travel and as much as we can nowadays, um, and freedom of movement and freedom of doing what we want to do when we want to do it, is having a few quid in the bank to be able to do that. But it's the... The ability to get there somehow and if there's a lack of confidence or no one's ever modeled to you how to make money you know just clear your limiting beliefs out of the way again go through the outcome process it wouldn't it be cool if i had a certain amount of money in my bank every week or every month or every year mm -hmm. and then yeah write down the reasons and excuses and challenge them yeah for me and it was all about I... confidence once i started earning getting confident i could earn some money <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? Sorry, I think that. also, no, um, just before I forget, uh, we're talking a lot about outcomes. And actually, I think it might be really good to just talk about the difference between a goal and an outcome, because that right. was huge for me when I when I learned about that. Right. Yes, it's, it's, it's really important because we, we need to understand why we want what we want. If we want, if we truly uh, have sort of flexibility and uh <clears throat> a more useful avenue to the things that we're after i think so the difference between a goal and an outcome a goal is a step that will take you along the way to get to the outcome that you're trying to achieve so if it's uh i don't know you want a holiday 
the question to ask yourself is for what purpose? What purpose do I want that? What would it do for me having it? Because it may be that you want uh, time to switch off. You want some, I don't know, some sun, or you just want some time alone, or you want, I don't know, go out and party, whatever it might be. There, often when we when we go beyond like just booking a holiday, and we think about the outcome instead, there's loads of things already we could probably do in our lives to get more of that from where we're standing still right now. <laughs> Figuring out ways to get a bit more time for yourself if you need it, or you know whatever it might be. So having uh, an outcome focus. It gives us more flexibility of the ways we get to that outcome. Um, it gives us an understanding of, of why we want to achieve that thing in the first place. Because someone doesn't, doesn't want a new car just because there's a new car. They want it because it makes them feel good or make them feel more successful or it'll make them feel more safe getting from A to B. Um, there's loads of reasons why we do what we do. So mm. have goals along the way. Fantastic. that get you to your outcome. But the outcome is what we're trying to achieve. It's usually the emotions that we're going to get from having the thing. Mm. A lot of the and time we can reach those already. And that's where like manifestation and spirituality ties really nicely into NLP because yeah. in manifestation, we, you know, we talk about the states that we're going to feel and, and you can, you can access those at any time. If, if you know, you want to feel free and that's why you, I don't know what want a particular goal then focus on the outcome and focus on feeling that right now. And then your RAS, which we don't have time to go into right now, but your particular activating system will pick up all the ways that you can have that outcome rather than just the goal that you have thought about that's going to right. take you to that outcome. Yeah. So the possibilities kind of open up at that point. That's it. It's, it's rather than having one particular thing you think you need, there's, there's tons of different ways of, of achieving the outcome. So it just frees it, frees it up, it frees everything up, opens you up to much more choice, which yeah. is great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a couple of closing questions. My first one is, if people have listened to this episode and are really interested in finding out more about NLP, uh, where can you, where can they go to like maybe some books or your training? How can they delve more into the world of NLP? Well, there's tons of books out there on it. It's been around since 1975. Some of them are a bit dry and a bit challenging or a bit technical, but some of them are really good fun and really easy and gentle. So um, get on wherever you buy your books from. Uh, there's people like Richard Bandler. Um, there's, uh, I can't think of half the people now off the top of my head. Um, just Google it. And you'll find the person who speaks to you in a, in a certain way about it and finds the right flavor for you. Because some people are really technical and businessy about it. Other people like us, we're just fun and we're, we're about manifesting and having a really interesting, fun life just because why not? You know, so there's lots of different people out there to do different things. Um, obviously, get some coaching from you if they need some support. And if uh, yeah. they're on training, then um, we, we do trainings on, on Zoom still. Um, every i don't know eight weeks six to eight weeks um but there's so many people all over the place that do nlp training you've got to find the people that resonate with you yeah mm -hmm. i might be a, a bit not technical enough for someone they might want to get to really get technical and less emotional about it we're mm -hmm. about having fun and being playful with it and making it real life usable so there's i was lucky i found the right person straight away do your research but but what i always say is that lots of people are course junkies or they're searching for answers and they're trying to find all these different things that are going to help them find solutions nlp is the solution and i'm not just saying that because i do it for a living it's, it's what i found that that worked because it is what how we how we function as human beings so it's the it's the framework for any kind of success or transformational change so it's you know get some experience with it come and see holly um or google it find some stuff on uh youtube or you know we do free sessions if people are interested in that kind of stuff it's just we need to make yeah. the world a better place and nlp yeah. is definitely the way forward because of the everything it gives us all the processes and it will make sense of every other sort of methodology out there because it kind of all springs from this way of being of, that we are and um human beings that we've discovered in nlp yeah and and for anyone interested i will put all your details of of nick and jess's 
business and their trainings in all the show notes so you can go and go and have a look because I can personally highly recommend them they completely changed my life and I know they've changed so many people's lives so don't yeah they're amazing well we get Um, we get the best end of it because we get to meet lovely people like you and hang out with you for seven days so (laughs) it's our pleasure it's a win-win it's a (laughs) win-win um so my final question that I ask everyone at the end is Mm. uh what makes you feel most zen in your life um well when I'm not with my lovely family uh it's being somewhere barefooted whether it's on the beach we live near fairly near some beaches or out in in the grass somewhere just in nature for me took me a long time to get there but nature um being near trees um and just being grounded i think grounding is so important nowadays all this electricity and tech around us all the time you can sort of decharge ourselves and be somewhere where you've got Mm. your bare feet touching the ground that's a very very healthy thing for us and Mm. for me that's my little zen place it's also when i'm with my boy watching him but he's pretty frantic so (laughs) it's a bit challenging sometimes um yeah maybe not but being on my own in the garden somewhere probably is is my zen oh i love that i think i need to get barefoot because someone else said that to me the other day that walking barefoot outside is one of their favorite things so very good for your health. Do that too. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Try it. It's amazing. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Nick. That has been absolutely amazing. And thank you. thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. If this episode left you feeling more zen, it would mean the absolute world to me if you went and gave it a review. It's the best way to get new people into the Gen Zen community and get even more amazing guests onto the show so we can have more juicy and expansive conversations. Thank you so much in advance and until next time, stay zen.